Yeah, I think that this is the part of New Horizon that I probably like the most because it's like, if I do, you could do this for 20 minutes, okay? <laughs> I just like, it's the, usually in a church when you say, say hello, it's like people struggle. Here it's like, hello, hello. Friends, today is a special day as we gather ourselves in preparation for God's word and as we focus on the Lord's prayer and as we come to worship. So let us come together in our call to worship. In times of trouble and distress, God is always present with us. When we call out, God hears us. The name of the Lord brings comfort to heavy hearts. God's name alone do we put our trust. The Lord will help those who seek God. God will answer the prayers of the people. People of God, the Lord is merciful. Some take pride in their might and accomplishments. We rise and stand on the righteousness of God. Amen. Let us continue in worship. Good morning, everyone. Morning to those that are watching, and we pray that you will enjoy this worship experience just as we are about to. Are you ready, everybody? You ready? <laughs> One more time.
exalted. The King is exalted. We want to welcome the Holy Spirit this morning. There's nothing.
you'll be seated. <laughs> Thank you, Gail. My name is Pastor Lisa. If you'll bow your heads and join with me for this morning's prayer. Lord, as we come before you this day, we know that we are welcomed into your presence by your gracious hospitality. Grant us your peace that we might lay aside our cares and our anxieties to concentrate and focus our thoughts on you alone. Open us to your teaching and your guidance for living, which we receive through the Holy Spirit. Give us your strength that we will have the courage to walk with you and follow you wherever you lead us. Lord, we trust in your power, even as it is often found in weakness. Lord, we trust in your wisdom, even as it is expressed in foolishness. We trust in your wholeness, even when it comes to us amidst our brokenness. As we stand before you this morning, we come simply to, to worship you. We offer our humble praises and our grateful hearts to you. Touch us this day, O oh Lord, sinners that we are, that we might become your saints, your body, your children, your church. For this temple of your spirit is built not because of our own abilities, our knowledge, or our skills, but upon the gifts and graces that you have provided for us in Jesus Christ, who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, in heaven hallowed, hallowed be thy name. name. Thy, thy kingdom, kingdom come, come. Thy, thy will, will be done, done. on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. If you please stand with us. going to help us and sing this song. Here we go. Let us come to God in prayer as we come to the scriptures this morning. Let us pray. 
And so, God, as we come to your word this morning, we pray that it would be the very truth that speaks to our heart and soul. May it bring to us the presence of your spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We continue today in the gospel according to Luke. And so while we um, were worshiping, I spotted our district superintendent. <laughs> and it's wonderful to have you with us. Cynthia, thank you so much for joining us today. And so we continue as we read the first 13 verses of chapter 11 in Luke's gospel. Jesus was praying in a certain place. And when he finished, one of his disciples said, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. Jesus told them, when you pray, say, Father, uphold the holiness of your name. Bring in your kingdom. Give us the bread we need for today. Forgive us our sins. For we also forgive everyone who has wronged us. And don't lead us into temptation. He also said to them, Imagine that one of you has a friend, and you go out to that friend in the middle of the night. Imagine saying, Friend, loan me three loaves of bread, because a friend of mine on a journey has arrived, and I have nothing to set before him. Imagine further that he answers from within the house, don't bother me. The door is already locked and my children are in bed. I can't get up to give you anything. I assure you, even if he wouldn't get up and help because of his friendship, he will get up and give his friend whatever he needs because of his friend's brashness. And I tell you, ask and you will receive. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open to you. Everyone who asks, receives. Whoever finds, whoever seeks, finds. To everyone who knocks, the door is opened. Which father among you would give a snake to your child if the child asked for a fish? If the child asked for an egg, what father would give the child a scorpion? If you who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Thanks be to God for his word. Friends, as we focus on this passage today, I'd like to, I'd like to focus on the Lord's Prayer. Now, it's one of those pieces of scripture that we could have an entire teaching series on. You know, we could do this for six weeks or eight weeks, and, and we could spend a long time in, in just unpacking the Lord's Prayer. But, but today we begin with the celebration of the fact that Jesus wants you and I, his disciples, people to experience his presence and to ask. 
I have no doubt that every single one of us have arrived in church today with something that we're praying about. Anyone praying for something? That's, and so that's, we're, we're all praying for something. We don't have to disclose our prayers right now, but we're praying for something. And there is a sense that as we've journeyed through the gospel of Luke, really what we're seeing in Jesus unpacking the way of our Christian faith is he's calling us to a place of prayer. We often speak of revival in our church. We often speak of, you know, when is it that we will experience God's presence? And the truth is, if we come in a place and an attitude of prayer, that's the place that miracles happen. And so we know that that's what Jesus did. I mean, Jesus was modeling a life of prayer. The Jewish people would have prayed daily a number of times. And so they would have watched and they would have seen the earnest way that Jesus prays. And in the other Gospels, he, he gives us this way to pray. And I'd like to focus on that today because one of the things we have to hold true is we need to watch our thoughts. Because our thoughts become our words. And we need to watch our words because our words become our actions. And we need to watch our actions because our actions become our habits. And then we need to watch our habits because somehow our habits become our character. And then our character becomes our destiny. I don't believe that this call to prayer that Jesus calls us as his disciples is an opportunity to shame us or to condemn us or to bring us into a place of condemnation. Rather, it is an invitation. In this particular passage in Luke's gospel, there is an invitation for us to seek and find the presence of the God that we worship. Not to bring us into a place of shame, but to bring us into a place of freedom because it is in that freedom that we discover the God that we worship. And so I'm going to present the Lord's Prayer in just two ways this morning because it's really hard to tackle the whole prayer in, in this one particular service. But I'd like to say that there are six places where the Lord's Prayer begins where we focus on who God is. And then we look in another six lines, we focus on what it is that we say in the Lord's Prayer. So I think we have to begin by kind of reflecting on who is God for us. It, it, just go with me. Just think, listen, listen to these words in, the, in these six statements. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It focuses on who God is. And so part of our decision or part of our journey to prayer is we have to settle a little bit in our souls as to who we believe God is. And sometimes that's really the place that we struggle. The thing that Jesus wants us to capture in, the, in teaching his disciples how to pray is that God is our Father. There is a real, you know, it is, the, it, is our, uh, it is our belonging, our sense of community. And that is exactly why when we come into a place of corporate worship, that we need to have an invitation to pray. 
because it's it's our father together we pray that there is something powerful in the our moment there is something incredibly significant when when we are prepared to make ourselves vulnerable and to put up our hands and say I need prayer because today in this place of worship, my heart is breaking. In this place of worship, I am remembering something that is suffocating my soul. In this place of worship, I'm going in for an operation. This place of worship, there is someone we love that is part of our community lying in hospital. And it is our, it is our togetherness really It is about relationship. Jesus begins in, whether we're looking at the Trinity, whether we're looking at anything that Jesus teaches, it's in relationship. Because somehow it is in relationship that we discover ourselves. It's not in isolation. But I want to tell you that this is a radical prayer that Jesus taught his disciples. And we cannot miss that. You'll know at that time that the Roman Empire was in control. And the way the Roman Empire held control was by establishing kings that would tax the people. But the Roman Empire made it incredibly lucrative for these kings because they could manipulate people with taxes. Nobody knows anything about that. That happened like hundreds of years ago in the Middle East. But essentially, you know, there was, there was a way in which people would ultimately betray their own people, and, and there really was about systematic power. And when Jesus starts to bring his disciples into another way of thinking, when you can get past the fact that we are now dealing with a corporate, powerful, our community, that we belong to each other, he says, he then brings them into trying to establish what it means to have God in heaven and how God is really on the throne. I mean, that was fairly significant when you deal with the Roman Empire. When you had Caesars who really believed they were gods. And so he was actually saying, our God is in heaven. Our God is powerful. He was dismantling the systematic powers of the day. And there is something that we need to do when we come into a place of prayer. We have to dismantle the other powers of the day. Because if I know anything about prayer, I know that prayer works when we've given up on everything else. We have some way of putting our hope in other things when ultimately what Jesus is saying to you and I, let this be the very first place that you begin. It is really how we dismantle the very powers that kind of grip us, that Jesus wants us to discover that he is the beginning and the end. There is nothing too big or too small that we do not bring to God in prayer. And so really, prayer is powerful. We speak about the dunamis. We speak about the the entering of the Holy Spirit. We speak about the power. And it begins when we take on a disposition of prayer. And so ultimately, what Jesus is teaching his disciples is he's teaching them, he's showing them who it is that we're actually praying to. When we speak about God in heaven, we are reminded of the resurrection. When Jesus says, I will no longer be here when he ascended, but I'm praying for you on the right hand of the Father. And so we are called, and we do it. We do it every Sunday in our places of worship. We hold the sacred prayer because in it is the mystery of God's presence. It is powerful and it is changing. 
when, when Jesus wants his disciples to, to pray, he says to them, for thine is the king. He, he talks about the kingdom of heaven and earth and says that God's kingdom is established on earth. There is an integrity of God's kingdom on earth in the way Christians live out their lives. And I know that, that, that people look to us and the way we deal with struggles. I've been doing some research on prayer for the last couple of months and have noticed that there have been interesting dynamics that have been studied in the Copenhagen University. They've been studied here in the US and around the world because there was this incredible search during COVID globally and the search was how to pray. And people have been trying to work out why it has been one of the most powerful searches that they have seen on the internet. People literally typing, how do I pray? And so there is something on the integrity of how we, as the body of Christ, hold prayer that becomes a witness to the world. And so it is an ongoing invitation I don't think we get it right every time. I don't think that we get it right every day. But I think that's part of why, why we are, are reminded to return to this place. So I'm not too sure where you are or what you bring into the space of worship. And if you're watching us online, what it is that you hold. But part of what we are reminded today is when we come to pray, we do not come in our own strength and in our own ability because we pray to a God who will not give us a scorpion and a God who will not destroy us, but a God that will free us and heal us. So then the second thing that I want to focus on is what it is that we actually ask for. So, and let's have a look at these. I'll spend a little bit more time on these. So the first thing that we ask for in this deep search is give us our daily bread. And so, you know, we know that when Jesus comes, he says that we will not, we will not, he speaks about he's the bread of life. He also speaks about the fact that we will not live on bread alone. And then he, he also speaks about the fact that, that you know, the bread is, is our daily nourishing. But let me tell you, if you've been hungry, really hungry, when you say, give us this day our daily bread, you actually know exactly what you're praying for. And, and, and so there is, there is somehow in that moment, and, and we see through the ministry of nourishing lives, we actually can see the vulnerable space of being hungry. There is a global crisis in food security. I can tell you that. And it's not just in Africa. There is, there is a deep hunger that gnaws at our human souls when we know that people go to sleep hungry. In a couple of weeks, children will start school, and some of them will not thrive because they are not nourished. And so there is something about the hunger that disturbs us. But there is also something about the portion of our lives that we receive daily, whatever portion that is. And so there is an invitation to say, God, you give me my portion for the day. 
it really turns the thing upside down. It's no longer about Aldi and Publix and Walgreens and, you know, wherever else, Whole Foods, wherever else you can go and get food. It's really to say my portion does not come from my ability but it comes from the mysterious presence of where you are. So give me this day my daily bread. It, and, and you know, that, that kind of shatters whatever age we are, whatever experience, whatever life stage, because we can all pray that prayer. God, what portion do you have for me today? And there's something very humbling about praying for that. And then, and then we begin with this deep search. Forgive us our trespasses. You know, where, where have we lived that has been utterly destructive for ourselves and for others? And you know, we have a tendency to, to struggle in our individual sin, but we somehow allow corporate sin or big sin to happen. There is a struggle in what are the things that destroy community? How do we, in, you know, as a church, kind of bring one another into places of destruction? So there is this, what are the places that trespass the soul of another? Where do we walk into another person's heart and mind and soul and actually disrupt them so that they can no longer continue in a sense of being at peace? And we, we've got those Ten Commandments, and they're really helpful as a, as a construct to hold us in a sense of community. But there are moments where we subtly walk into the souls and hearts of another person. And then we don't get to hold on to the trespasses against us. I think sometimes that's the hardest thing. It's like there is nothing that we do not get to forgive. And that's hard, and that's what makes us unique, and that's, that's what actually brings us as Christians into an entirely different frame of reference. Because there is something about saying, God, in my portion that I receive today, I come with a spirit of humility. I, I want to check the way I live because I want to live in a place that brings life to others, and I know that others have hurt me. This invitation to an ongoing life of grace does not mean cheap grace. Because I think sometimes we, you know, passive aggression, does everyone knows what passive aggression is? Hey, you know, we all know that. And so sometimes we are more passive aggressive in the church than we are confrontational. And that, that is actually sometimes more harmful. Like, you know, I, like I see you, I feel you, I sense you long before I say anything. And so what are the things, and, and, and what are the things that we have held, and, and when others have hurt us, that we've not been able to let go? This is a radical prayer. Like, I don't always want to pray this prayer. You know, I don't want to always pray this prayer. It's disruptive. It's, it kind of, it puts you in a place of saying, if you want revival, pray this prayer. Really, if you want the world changed, pray this prayer. There is nothing about this prayer that keeps us in a static relationship. It is really a prayer that really frees us from ourselves and even the condemnation that's in ourselves. And then it reminds us that there are roads that lead to destruction. Lord, don't send me in a place of temptation. And so where are those places for you that really send you down the wrong road. 
my experience is that other people have a really good idea of where I'm sinning. I don't know if, you know, so maybe you should turn around to someone that's sitting next to you and like give them an open invitation. So they'd say, would you tell me where you think I'm sinning? <laughs> I'm especially talking to husbands and wives here. <laughs> like, where do you want me to begin? <laughs> One. <laughs> you know, so, you know, there, there is a sense that other people know where, you, where you're going off the track, you know, and if you're bold enough, ask them, because that's really what the strange relationship is. So, um, when we came from different traditions in the church, we had moments of confession, you know, this, this, this idea of confessing my sin, and I mean, that is scary, believe you me, I'm not calling you up and giving you, this thing is a mic, by the way, I just want you to know, this is not a light, so if you want to come up, you can take the podium, and we don't, <laughs> but ultimately, you know, it's not about, it's not about getting one in, another into a place of, of where it is that we are tempted, where it is that we sin, where it is that we struggle to forgive, but ultimately, those are the things that will destroy us. They really are. I've also heard it said that offense is the playground of the devil. Where we find ourselves offended is often where we get stuck. And so we have this, this other part where we pray, God, deliver us from evil. And then we end this prayer, and this is probably the doxology is what we call it. We end this prayer saying, for thine is the kingdom the power and the glory forever and ever. Now, I often think to myself that the disciples watched Jesus. They watched him pray. He would separate himself. He would go and pray. He would, he would then come back. He would go and teach and preach. And then he would go and pray and he'd come back. And then I wonder, you know, whether someone just wrote that prayer down. And, and because he must have prayed enough of that prayer for them to know. We, we receive it in the Gospels. And I wonder what that prayer meant to the disciples after he died. Because in the midst of the power of the Roman Empire, in the midst of everything that holds us, Jesus says there is another kingdom. We often wonder to ourselves, how do we experience heaven on earth? I think this prayer opens that door for us. It really does. It opens the door for us to find a road to ourselves, to God, and to one another. It is almost the mystery of heaven in this tiny prayer. It is, it is a time for you and I to really experience God's grace and God's presence. And so I leave with you two thoughts today. Who is the God that you are praying to? Maybe it's just an invitation to revisit that place. Who is the God that you are praying to? Perhaps you have felt really defeated by God. Maybe there is something that you've experienced in your life where really your relationship with God is really not where you'd want it to be. And there's a moment, and I invite you now just into a time of, of silent prayer for yourself to just, to just hold before God who you say God is, and then what you say. And then just to say to you today, perhaps this might be part of your practice, but in this week, write this prayer and pray it every day and, and, and write the, the things that you are praying for. And let's see, let's see if we could do this for 30 days.
And let's see what God does in our lives. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we just thank you that we are exactly like your disciples because we see you. We see you, God. And Jesus, we, we really want to know how to pray. Some of us are stuck. We're stuck because of grief. We're stuck because we're in pain. We're stuck because maybe our prayers haven't been answered and we, we really don't have a way of finding you in prayer. Some of us, Lord, are stuck because we've just stopped praying. But Lord God, some of us really are in a place where we are enjoying prayer, but we thank you, God, that there is something new to be discovered about who we worship every day. And so may the mystery of the God we worship be revealed to every one of us in a new way today. For you're the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and there is nothing we can ask of you that you will not give us. And so, Lord God, we bring you our lives, and we bring you the very thing that we have brought into church, and we bring it now to the altar. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Friends, we receive the offering now, and so if you're watching us online, we do have ways that you can give to us online. We will pass the plates around, and as we do that, I, I do have a sense that there are people that would like us to pray for them today, and so if you are comfortable while the offering prayer goes around, if you would come forward, and then we will be able to pray with you um, as, we, as we just hold you in our corporate prayer together. And so friends, let us pray. We're going to pray, Gail. We're going to come and pray for you. And then 
so Lord God, we pray for Gail and we just thank you for her life and we thank you for her witness. And we pray, Lord Jesus, that you would be with her now. Heal her and hear her. In Jesus' name, amen. Friends, I'm going to just ask um, that Lisa just share with us for a few seconds a little bit about part of our ministry um, to the Cuban church. So let's give her that moment and then we will end our time in worship. Thanks, Lisa. Good morning. So we, we give you this space because you've, you've received such a powerful word this morning. And we give you this space so that you get to offer something back to God, that you get to, to give over his tithes and your offerings. And one of the things that we've been doing all summer is doing a special project called 10 for 10, where you give an extra $10 to something that, that really needs our support in the summer in particular. And I have had the opportunity to visit one of our Cuban sister churches. Um, and I will tell you, they're amazing people. They are so filled with the spirit of God. They have so little and they're so generous with what they've been given. And so I'd like to ask you today to support our Cuban sister churches. We have um, bags at each end. If you can offer your extra $10, if you can offer more than that, please feel free as well. But thank you for joining us in this ministry to these wonderful, wonderful, Holy Spirit-filled people. Amen. Amen. So this song talks about the goodness of God and how merciful he is to us. Where's all my choir members? All my choir people, show your hands, show your hands. You better put your hands up, I see you. All right, so I'm going to need you to help me in the, in the chorus of this because I know you know this song. And the rest of you want you to sing your hearts out.
And so, friends, now as we go here, we go in the presence of God. We know that God is good and faithful. And so now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all now and forevermore. Amen. One more thing. We would love to see you in the mission building. There are some like magnificent cupcakes, brownies, you name it. So you don't want to miss that. Come and have some lemonade and some cold tea with us. Um, and I'll see you out in the foyer. Thanks so much. Your goodness, two, three, and your goodness.